Stuart Holman with you again for Growing Disciples as we look at the turning point of Jesus' public ministry in the Gospel of Luke. By the end of Luke 9, Jesus has resolutely set out for Jerusalem with clear priority. This is to be his exodus, winning salvation as he departs for heaven. So from here on in, until Jesus rides in a donkey into Jerusalem in Luke 19, Jesus is on the road. He's teaching and preaching as he travels on the way. So the next 10 chapters of Luke form a kind of a travelogue, but with a theme centered around discipleship, learning Jesus, his ways and his mission. It's a school of discipleship on the road. And having called disciples to himself at the end of chapter 9, one of the first things that Jesus does is send them back out again. He gives them a job to do. So let's continue reading from Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These 72 others are appointed in addition to the 12 Jesus had sent out at the beginning of chapter 9, with pretty similar instructions. Then the twelve went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now, these 72 are fresh troops, and their role is to go ahead of Jesus, preparing each town and village for his arrival. They're like an advanced party, promoting and announcing the coming of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And what we notice here is that disciples learn Jesus by doing stuff. Jesus does not view discipleship as an academic exercise. It's more like an apprenticeship. Jesus' followers are to learn by doing. What do they do? They do very similar things to Jesus. They are to heal the sick and proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God and prepare the people to receive Jesus as he passes by on his way to Jerusalem. You see, in Jesus' mind, if we are his, then we are his harvesters. We are like workers for the owner of the farm. The Lord has a plentiful harvest, a bumper crop, and he calls his workers to get busy and harvest it. There's so much work to do, we actually do well to ask Jesus to send out more harvesters to help us in the task. So the first thing that we notice is that Jesus' disciples have a job to do, a mission. A disciple is an active learner, like an apprentice. And a little bit like the apprentice who gets the dirty jobs, and who is not always respected as the master is, we should prepare for all kinds of treatment. Uh, so verses 3 through 8, Jesus continues with his directions. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered you. So Jesus' disciples are sent out and they should prepare for all kinds of treatment. Some will receive them and receive their message. The disciples come in peace and greet each household in peace, in the best traditions of ancient Near Eastern hospitality. But this is no holiday, whether on the hunt for the best deal, for the room upgrade, or the most favourable circumstances. 
Instead, the disciples are to receive whatever reception they are given with gratitude because their focus is all about the mission. And so Jesus continues his instructions. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. As we read Jesus' instructions to the 72, it's important that we don't confuse them with the Great Commission. Already we've noted that Jesus gives this group a very specific job. They are his advanced party while he makes his journey to Jerusalem. He gives them authority to, to heal and a very specific message. The kingdom of God has come near to you, referring particularly to Jesus and his imminent arrival at their village or their town. Now, over the years, some have claimed that this means that every Christian for all time is commissioned and empowered by Jesus to heal and to preach. And that if they don't, there's something wrong. Maybe they aren't really Christians at all, not proper ones. But that would completely misrepresent Jesus here. Jesus does indeed commission his disciples to speak and to act on his behalf, continuing his mission after his departure. But that's not what he's doing here. So what can we say confidently about this passage or from it? Well, I think we can observe the expectations that Jesus has of his disciples, that they will be assigned a job to do, that they learn by doing, even if we're like lambs among wolves. Disciples, even rookie learners of Jesus, have a role to play in the growth of the kingdom. Something that we might observe is that Jesus does not expect that all missionary endeavours will reap much fruit. They may not appear successful. Many may hear the message but not repent. They may not turn to Jesus. This was certainly the experience of Jesus himself and his first disciples who spent considerable time in the region of Galilee. So uh, Jesus says in verse 12, I tell you it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, some of the towns of Galilee where Jesus had spent a lot of time. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Now, Tyre and Sidon were despised Gentile towns over near the Mediterranean coast. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, Jesus' home base, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. So the success of the disciples' mission is measured not in the numbers of positive responses, but in the faithful testimony to Jesus and the kingdom. The success of the farming process is in the diligent sowing of the seeds and harvesting of whatever grows. God's responsible for the germination and the growth of the crop. He is responsible for the size of the harvest. I think this is as true for us as it was for the original 72 whom Jesus sent out here in Luke 10. As disciples, what matters is that we are faithful to our commission. We sow and we reap, but God determines the results. And the reason for this is made abundantly clear in verses 16 through 20. 
Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's the reason that we sow and we harvest, but the results are up to God? It's because we're his representatives. We belong to him. We are with him. Ultimately, those who hear the message of Jesus are not accepting or rejecting us. They're responding to God. Whoever listens to us, listens to God. Whoever rejects us, rejects God. It's not about us. It's about God. And now the 72 return to Jesus with joy because they saw great impact from their message. The spiritual authority given them by Jesus to both heal and expel demons was effective. Many did repent. Many were prepared for Jesus. And so the kingdom of God was advancing. The trampling of snakes and scorpions, specific to the charge given to the 72, was understood as the disarming of the evil one. The sign refers to the defeat of Satan by the advance of Jesus and his kingdom. And so Jesus and his sent ones rejoice at the signs of the defeat of Satan by the power of God. But even more, even better, is the truth that Jesus' sent ones stand in such relationship with God that their names are written in heaven. They are his children. Their actions and experiences demonstrate they really are Jesus' disciples. What experiences do you have as a disciple of Jesus? Do you have a sense of Christian mission about some activities in your life. Perhaps your working life represents a sphere of mission or ministry, or perhaps it's your family life or your social world. What's the sphere of your discipleship where you are actively sowing and harvesting in the kingdom? I'll leave you to think about that and please pray about that.